Welcome to So To Speak with your host, Vishnu Hedmark. This podcast was inspired by the stories of individuals whose mark in the world I admire. Each conversation will delve into guests' background and upbringing, their setbacks and hardships, passions and creative journeys, and ultimately, we explore the tales that make these lovely people who they are and their hopes and dreams for the future. Recently, I got to speak with my dear friend, Lindsay Trout Hughes, who is a performer and a beautiful writer. She's a graduate of St. Louis University and attended the new school where she earned an MFA. She and I met when we were both working in New York City, struggling to survive in a city that requires an unwavering discipline and commitment to your purpose in order for you to thrive. She was warm and inviting from the start, a quality that you could attribute to her Midwestern roots. She had this innate ability to describe the world around her with such eloquence and charm, but what always struck me the most was the balance she maintained of being both unbelievably hardworking while always maintaining a deep warmth and kindness. On today's episode, we discuss her life now. She lives in Brooklyn with her two children and her husband. She's a founding member of the Bonville Theatre Company and South Brooklyn Poetry Club. And we also discuss how motherhood inspired a new creative outlet, poetry. I'm so happy to be able to share with you all her beautiful story, and I hope you'll enjoy our conversation. Don't forget to leave us a review and comment. Hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. So sweet, and thank you for having the patience to still want to be a part of this little project and share yourself with me. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, Missy, let's get this started. So let's do it. Lindsay, you are a beautiful writer, a performer, a mother of two beautiful children. But before we get into all of that, where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Um, thank you for saying those things, first of all. <laughs> um, it's very flattering. Um, I... It's hard to say where I am from. I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, um, but I grew up in central Florida and then moved to Georgia as a teenager and then went back to St. Louis for college. Um, but I've now lived in New York longer than I lived any of those places. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Florida and Missouri really take up a lot of um, my imaginative space. I think about those places a lot, um, and I work with them a lot in my writing. Well, I can definitely pick up that from your writing. Oh, it's thank you. <laughs> so beautiful. Um, oh, thank you. When you went to Missouri, mm -hmm. how old were you? Uh, when I went back? Yeah. Um, I was in college, but um, we moved from St. Louis to Florida when I was a baby. I was about nine months old. Okay. Um, yeah, so my childhood in Florida was um, pretty whimsical. My father worked for an amusement park, yeah. uh, so I spent <laughs> a lot of time there. And um, so my memories of childhood are um, very strange and sort of fantastical. Yeah. Um, there's always like, you know crazy animals or like being backstage at the ice show. Um, that would have been and, you know, surreal. It, it really was. And I didn't, I don't think I knew at the time 
how strange that was a thing for me to experience on a daily basis. Definitely. Um, but it left quite an imprint. Um, and Florida itself is so, I mean, the land is strange and the animals are strange and the weather is so aggressive yes. that every day feels like slightly ap- apocalyptic. Absolutely. <laughs> I can definitely relate to that having spent some time in Mississippi which is very close to that and um, I bet it's like similar for you in Australia now like I they say that like Australians and Floridians are um like eccentric for the same reason oh, <laughs> and I live south of this place called um Southport that when you drive through I'm like am I in Miami what oh, is really? going on it's so weird um, that's good funny. but just odd because it definitely yeah. um puts you in a weird place yeah with living in Florida what did your mom do my mom worked for an appliance parts company (laughs) she um she was like head of their human resources department um yeah so you know with my dad we'd go run around the amusement park and with my mom my sister I have a twin sister um as I know you do (laughs) Um, but my twin sister and I would go running around the warehouse when we would, you know, go visit my mom at work. Um, yeah, you definitely had the, um, you had the tools and the means to have a very imaginative childhood. Yeah. I had a very, I continue to have a very rich fantasy life. Um, but those seeds were sown, uh, very early. And I think too, the, um, my childhood was spent um, very deeply involved in the church. Yeah. And Catholicism is so rich with imagery and stories. Um, and so I think all of these things sort of stewed together to make me really, um, I really hungered for uh, stories very early on. Um, yeah. I think that's where that comes from. Is your sister much like you? Oh, no. (laughs) Um, Well, you know, it's funny you ask that because growing up, I would say that we, there was not a more different person from me. Um, We felt very different Mm. um, and we expressed ourselves very differently. And at the time, it seemed like we really wanted different things and had different ambitions and different things that we held dear. Um, but as we've gotten older, um, we've both had some, you know, big life experiences, um, good, good and bad. And I think that really, we've both mellowed quite a bit (laughs) and, you know, because for a long time we were in constant competition for, attention and affection and whatever you, you want to be your own person. And, um, so we're very close now. Um, and she's an incredible aunt to my children. Um, but a couple of years ago she was visiting me in Brooklyn and some friends were like sitting around reading horoscopes or something like that. Um, or they were, I don't forget what they were doing. They were like trying to figure out somebody's, rising sign and so they they did both of ours and Lauren was like well I don't I don't believe in this because you know my sister and I are the same sign and we're so different and 
I had friends in the room and she had friends in the room and somebody read whatever the thing was. Because uh, we were born via cesareans. We were yeah, born within yeah. seconds of each other. So we have the same rising sign as well. And uh, my friends were like, that's Lindsay to a T. Yeah. That's her. Yeah. And all of Lauren's friends were like, Lauren, that's you. Exactly. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, funny. To- yeah. It's really hard, I think, especially when you're young, to admit that the similarities are there, but also mm-hmm. it's not a negative thing. But it's yeah. so hard when you're like come trying to come out in in your own and really hone f- who you are yeah. as a person, as opposed to a sister and a twin at that. Well, I think it can also be really incredibly vulnerable mm-hmm. to constantly be around somebody who knows, who knows you so intimately. Yeah. I mean, and I, th- I feel like that was part of it. Like we could read each other in ways that other people couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's scary. Like you have somebody who knows, um, like when you're bullshitting, oh, like, absolutely. you know? And, um, so I think like, a very, you know, obvious response is to reject that person. Definitely. Um, uh, Which, so I, did that happen when you went to college? Did you go to the same colleges? We did. We went to the same college. Um, but <laughs> you're not going to believe me, but we went to a small, small college. Um, we went to St. Louis University. Mm-hmm. And in the four years that we were there, I maybe saw my sister twice. See, and I can believe that. When I lived in New York for the first two years, I really did not spend any time with my sister. I think we were both trying to figure ourselves out and like have separate identities. In college, it really wasn't intentional. And even in high school, like grade school was really like my tough, our tough years between me and my sister. Um, And in high school, we were just, you know, uh, on very different paths. And then in college, it was just like, it wasn't indifference. It was just, you know, we were both doing our own thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember one day when I was a senior, I ran into, I was walking to class and she was walking to class and I ran into her like on the quad or whatever. And I hadn't seen her since like the last holiday break or whatever. And we both skipped our classes and went and got coffee. Um, and it was really nice. (laughs) And that was the first time that I was like, Oh, I think we're going to be friends as adults, (laughs) you know, see it there Mm -hmm. now. So you went to Missouri for college, but if I remember correctly, you often visited while you still lived in Florida because you had a very beautiful relationship with your grandparents, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yeah. My grandparents, um, my grandmother, my grandfather has passed. Um, he died a couple of years ago and my grandmother, uh, Marsha, she lives in Belleville, Illinois, which is, um, it's pretty close to St. Louis, but I spent many, many happy summers, um, staying with them. And we would go to, um, Cardinals games. My grandfather was a huge fan of the Cardinals and my grandmother would take me to the Muni in St. Louis in Forest Park, which is the world's largest outdoor theater. It is beautiful. It is so magical there. I have such happy memories there of, you know, 
standing in the parking lot, you know, waiting for the gates to open to go find your seat. And there's just fireflies everywhere and it's hot. And like, you know, you can hear the orchestra tuning up and my grandmother would always let me get a lemon ice. Um, and then, you know, she let me sit on her lap so I could see better or, you know, I'd sit in the aisle. Cause I think the first time she took me there, I think I was two and a half, maybe oh, three. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was the first show I saw there was a Cole Porter review. Um, so cool. Yeah, and I saw a little shop there, I think, when I was four, and it gave me nightmare, horrible nightmares. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, we would go there all the time. And then when I was in college, um, I went back for college, and my like my second day of school, one of the seniors was like, I'm going to show you guys something cool. And so she drove us into Forest Park and to the Muni at like midnight in like the middle of September. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, you're not showing me anything new. Like this place is my childhood. <laughs> um, and we, there were like five of us. It's amazing. We didn't get arrested, but we hopped the gate to the Muni and, um, I mean, it's got like 10,000 seats and like we ran down the aisles and like hopped the other gate and then like got up on the stage we were, I mean, we we're, what a theater major thing to do, right? When we were on this stage in the middle of the night and, <laughs> and we were not being quiet. We were, you know, singing and sure tap dancing, first, nor will you be the last. Yeah, um, yeah, it was pretty pretty magical. Uh, I wanted beautiful. It so that's was. where you got your first taste of like theater and probably your desire to act and live in that imaginative state and be creative. Absolutely, um, I, that's absolutely where the bug bit. I think, and I think I told you this story is that after. One of the first times my grandmother brought me there, um, <laughs> it's going to make me cry now. She's um, she's nearing the end of her life. She's probably going to go soon. Um, my mom and aunts and uncles are all there with her. Um, but about 30 years ago, <laughs> some odd years ago, she I was like two or three years old, maybe four, and she was like, come on, we're going to go on a tour backstage. And she had not organized this with anybody, but she did. She's a person who um, does not think the rules apply to her. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so she took us on a wholly unauthorized backstage tour at the Muni, <laughs> and it was just magical seeing the sets and the wings. And there was Cinderella's carriage. They must have been doing Cinderella at the time. Um, and then you know we we're backstage. Uh, looking at, um, the dressing rooms and, you know, the, the dressing rooms are, were brick and they were all signed. Each of each brick was signed by a performer who had performed there. And uh, my grandmother said, you're going to be up here someday. Uh, and I looked at her sort of, I was like with wonder and she's, I'll never forget. It's like one of my earliest memories. She said, somebody's name has to be on the marquee and it might as well be yours. It's a sentiment that I try to carry with yeah. me anytime I think like of something I'd like to do or achieve. It's like somebody's going to do it and it might as well be me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, that was really a gift um, she gave me. She's she's really an incredible woman and I'm very, very, very lucky you to are. have had her in my life. Definitely. Yeah. But you've also been lucky enough because 
you've been able to, to take your own children there and mm-hmm. have somewhat mm-hmm. of an exp- similar experience, if I remember, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I took August uh, last summer to see his first show at the Muni, and uh, <laughs> I'm afraid the bug may have bitten him as well. <laughs> I think that's very clear. Yes, he's obsessed with me. He's five years old, and he's obsessed with musicals, and he's begging for tap dancing lessons, and he just started ballet classes two weeks ago, and he's obsessed. He cannot get enough. His teacher is very serious. Mm-hmm. Um and he likes being taken seriously. Yeah. So, and as soon as he gets his um, ballet class attire on, he gets this very sort of somber attitude about him. <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, it's really wonderful um, to watch um, and to see him grow. He's really, yeah. you know. Before yeah. we get into your children, you went to Missouri, but then you moved to New York to go to mm-hmm. the new school, right? I did. I got my master's degree in acting at the New School for Drama. And you also met your husband. I did. <laughs> I you about that. <laughs> um, you know, I was leaving Missouri on the heels of just like the worst breakup in the world. <laughs> it was terrible. And I spent the last half of that summer, um, I was dog sitting for my aunt in Florida. So I was alone in this house with five gigantic dogs. <laughs> and I remember I just spent like weeks just like laying on her bedroom rug and crying by myself. And I promised myself that I was not going to date in grad school. I was going to focus on growing as an artist and figuring out what sort of stories I wanted to tell. And I was not going to be um, (laughs) clouded by partners or men or whatever heartache and heartbreak and yeah exactly exactly I was 22 and (laughs) so I I flew to New York with two suitcases and um arrived at my apartment building and in lower Manhattan in the financial district of all places Mm -hmm. and um I kept passing this boy. He was a boy, really. He was not a man then. Um, in the stairwell, who was also moving into the apartment on that day. Yeah. And I did not know a single soul in New York, so I introduced myself to him, uh, and he is now my husband. <laughs> a very Midwest of you. Oh my gosh, it really was. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I. It's amazing because I have largely was able to escape the um, hellscape that is dating in New York. Absolutely. Um, you know, we were we broke up for a while. We were together for about four years, and then we broke up for about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got a, a taste of it in that year. Um, and you really and got to know what was quality. Oh, it's, it's misery. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but I feel very lucky to, for the most part have been spared that, but I knew at the second, I, I, I heard someone say recently talking about what it's like to be in love. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you know, some people talk about it like being struck by lightning. Mm. Um, but you know, the, I like the light analogy in this, this person, 
said that sometimes it is like that. It's like a switch going off and you just know. And sometimes it's like a sunrise and it takes a while for you to really notice it and really yeah. see it. Yeah. Um, but with Chris, it was like a lightning bolt. I swear I almost fell over this first time I saw him. Uh, if anybody ever meets him, Chris is seriously one of the most beautiful, gentle, <laughs> but some serious James Dean mystery going on. He does. He's very, especially when I met him, he was wearing this like black jeans and a white t-shirt. <laughs> and he did look very like rebel without a cause. Um, and he's very, you know, he's very quiet. Um, uh, but yeah, I texted my best friend back in Missouri that day. And I said, I just met the man I'm going to marry. Oh and she wrote me back. You're an idiot. Um, <laughs> um but As best friends should do exactly, exactly, exactly. I do not blame her. I had been in New York for about 30 seconds when I texted her that. Um, oh my god, but your husband's also very creative and he's a writer, yeah. and I'm sure that must also give you some serious inspiration and drive to do what you do. Yeah, he's. He's just a remarkable partner <laughs> all around. Um, he's an incredible father, um, just the way he cares for the kids. And and he's and in that way is such a terrific supporter of my writing because he really goes out of his way to make sure that everything else like when I'm when I'm working on something and when I'm really like in a push to get things done or if I'm having just a writing day, I try to have two full writing days a week. He makes sure that every single other thing is taken care of so that I can focus on that and really focus on the work. Um, and it's such a gift. And he does really inspire me to stay curious. And I really love, I love the way his brain works. He's yeah. like always, um, a conversation with him is just like, it does wonders for anything I'm working on because he asks he asks all the right questions mm -hmm. of a piece and that's, um, pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. And, and an enormous, enormous help. Yes. You have lived in New York for how many years? Ooh, this year will be 10. Holy moly. Almost like a legit New Yorker now. I know. I know. Well, I said that to a real New Yorker the other day and he like got really annoyed and rolled his eyes at me. Of course. Um, of course. <laughs> so, you know, I, yeah, I I feel like New York is my home, mm -hmm. um, but I don't know that I will ever be a true New Yorker. That's okay, um, too. Yeah, yeah. You, it takes so much resilience and the ability to adapt very quickly to live in New York. Mm -hmm. Do you, how do you, how do you take those lessons and, like, create the life you have now with your family because it is beautiful to see oh thank you um yeah new york is not an easy city to live in mm -hmm. um but it's really got me yeah. <laughs> um i really sometimes i deeply wish that i could live anywhere else um happily and i'm sure i could you know I, one of my best friends moved to indiana a couple of years ago and, um, we're very similar and, you know, she's created, she's, she's really thriving there and she's got a community that she likes. And, um, you know, you, you sort of 
bloom where you're planted, mm. I guess. So I'm sure I would be okay somewhere else, but this city brings me so much joy on a daily yeah. basis that it would take a lot for me to want to leave. Yeah, I can completely understand. I really can't picture you or Chris anywhere else, but that I know, I know. <laughs> and the city, the city is also so tied to like our love story and the story of our family. Like both our kids were born in Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So tell me a little about that. So you were together. How many years were you and Chris together before you had your first? Um, he was born, we met in 2009 and then August was born at the end of 2013. Wow. So yeah. So for a minute and now we've, we've been married now for almost six years. Beautiful. Yeah. So we'll be, we'll have been to, I, you know, my anniversary with, of the date I met my husband is also my anniversary of the day I met the other love of my life, New York city. Yeah. So we're both coming up on 10 years. Um, this year, which is nice. Magical. We're thinking in the state of New York, you can marry the same person as many times as you want. Um, so we're thinking of getting married again, um, oh, sometime dude. this year to commemorate it. Uh, we're thinking Chris wants to get married in the natural history museum. Um, I think I'd like to get married on the Staten Island ferry. Um, we'll see. Uh, but yeah. So you have August and now you have Rose, mm -hmm. beautiful baby girl. Mm -hmm. How has motherhood affected or influenced your writing? That's a great question. Um, I think motherhood has made me get very clear about, it's forced me to get clear about what's important to me and what I want to say. Mm -hmm. Um, and what's nice is like, I'm a person who for a long time was really, I, I have a lot of ambitions. Um, and for a long time I was really sort of go, go, go. I was always on to the next thing. And then, but each time I had a child, it forced me into this really quiet season of life mm -hmm. that I don't think I would have taken on myself. Um, and that it's been, those were such beautiful periods. Now the, my son's infancy was really hard. I was, I had, a, his birth was quite traumatic and he was healthy, but I was not. Yeah. <laughs> and I was in terrible pain for a long time. I had trouble walking and I had horrible postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. Darling. Um, but even that, like it, it really, um, there's now like a depth to my work that I think wasn't there before or like a groundedness. Yep. Now I don't, I don't say that to say that, you know, people have to go through, um, no, no, difficult times. To, yeah, it was a tough, it was a tough year, but, but in, in both of their, you know, infancies and newborn periods, um, they've been really beautiful seasons of just being more still and paying attention and because having, having children is like, man, <laughs> everything they do feels like a miracle. They make access to joy so easy. Yeah. Um, and I'm at a place in my life where I feel so sometimes painfully aware of how 
magical things are. Um, magical and so fragile. fragile. Oh my gosh. All, yeah. You know, it really forces you to like go, okay, um, we're here. This is passing very quickly. Um, we're all going to die. Mm. <laughs> and like, what can I do? I think that's why I've turned to writing much more since I become a mother, because I have this experience that I want to keep. And, you know, I have these memories of, of my wedding, of my children and, you know, there are memories that I, only I have yeah. and I carry them with me and I'll be dead someday and they're gone and that's okay. Yeah. But there's a part of me that just like, I don't want to toss it all away. Yeah. Um, I'd like to, and it doesn't matter if nobody ever sees it or engages with it, mm -hmm. but I, from ha having a writing practice will have that sort of yearning and attention, like makes my life feel so much more rich yeah. um, and full. And I credit my children and it's a recognition too, that I think, you know, seasons of life are impermanent and this is all going to be over very soon. Yeah. And I know that, and the experience of being a woman and an artist as my children are moving through their childhoods is mm -hmm. just like the happiest I've ever been. And I really sometimes wonder what I'm going to do after this season of my life is over. I do not doubt whatever you will do <laughs> will be beautiful and as rich. I'll that have more babies. 100% apparent. Because let's let's talk about a little bit about your work. Go back sure. to that because you you also founded the Bonville Theater Company. Uh huh. Yep. And the South Brooklyn Poetry Club, and you sent me a beautiful manuscript. Thank so you. So there's a lot that you have a lot going on for you right now on top of being a mom. So what's exciting you now? What what are you working on that's really giving you that sense of um, fulfillment, creative I'm, fulfillment at that? Yeah, I'm working on um, a new book right now that I'm really excited about. Um, but, you know, I've been experimenting a lot with form since, since I became a parent. I've written two plays. I'm working on a third play. Um, I wrote a book of poetry that you've read and... Um, I have a collection of essays mm -hmm. and, um, now I'm working on this book, but I think right now I'm really focused on, um, just my writing practice. I'm trying not to be too attached to outcomes right now yeah. because in a lot of ways I still feel very early in my career. Um, I mean, in every way I just, being a parent sort of becoming a parent the first time and for a second time sort of undoes you in a way that you have to put yourself back together. And so I feel it's a gift really. I feel like I'm coming to both performance and to writing with a beginner's mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's really exciting. Um, so I've just been spending a lot of time, um, just with my practice and seeing what comes out and, you know, over the past year, it's clear that a lot of the content I've been working on, um, really wants to be a book. So I'm slowly, slowly, um, yeah. um, seeing that into fruition. Um, I feel like, I feel like a baby poet. I didn't start, you know, my husband is a poet. He studied, he has his master's degree in poetry. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel like I came to poetry a lot later in life. I didn't write my first poem until I was 
29, almost 30. Um, that was about two years ago, but I, it's really, um, I really love writing poems and I, um, yeah, it's exciting. Do you have any influential mentors or people who have helped you in this creative process since you are so new to it? Yes, I think the single most, I mean, there's obviously my husband and, you know, I've since meeting him, I've been really sort of immersed in poetry. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of it around always. So I've been reading it sort of voraciously for about 10 years and I'd go with him to readings and things like that. But it wasn't until about two years ago, I took an online class. It was just like a writing class. It wasn't a poetry class with a former professor of mine from St. Louis university. Um, his name is Mark Schimmel. Mm-hmm. And, um, after writing a few pieces, um, for that class, Mark said, you're a poet. Um, and I was like, no, I'm not. I don't know anything about poetry. He was like, no, you're a poet. Um, and I remember thinking, huh? Oh, he's right. Yeah. I think I, I think I am. Um, yeah, he's, he's been incredibly encouraging of my development as a writer and my, um, He's just been really instrumental in helping uh, me to sort of start taking myself seriously as yeah. a writer. Um, and what's great, too, is that the way he teaches, like, you don't have to be precious about writing. It's mm-hmm. not some, like, sacred thing that, like, you know, poetry is not reserved for, like, a certain sect of people. Um, writing can be messy, and you can just, like, let it rip and see yeah. what's there. Um, and it's for everybody. And, uh, yeah, I I would say that he's been the most influential in my, uh, my very brief journey so far as a poet. Do you think, cause you, you are a beautiful actress. Thank you. I, I know you did that for a long time. You pursue that for like diligently for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Do you think you'll go back into that? I don't know. Um, I, every single time I go see a play, I get so hungry uh, to do a show. I really deeply miss being in the rehearsal room. Mm-hmm. I love, love working collaboratively with people. Um, and so I'd like to say yes. <laughs> um, I would be truly thrilled if that was a part of my life again. Um and maybe soon, um, I've been thinking about starting to dip my toes. You know, the, the whole audition process is really brutal. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking of, um, you know, I, I made my own work for a while and, and that feels really good. So, um, I'm working on miss, another new play. So, yeah. Do you miss doing other people's work that you don't even you can't even imagine having come up with that work yeah or is that more I mean, pressure and it changes how you feel about it no no I mean I would honestly at this point if somebody asked me to be in a play I would just like fall over and <laughs> kiss their feet <laughs> because you know having two kids makes it really tricky and finding a rehearsal atmosphere that's um you know when the baby's like trying to navigate, can I breastfeed? Can yeah. I take a break to breastfeed? And, um, 
you know, just finding an atmosphere that's welcoming to mothers um, is tricky. So it's nice right now to be able to talk to you and like stroke my son's hair and like give him sips of water. <laughs> I, I would like to make that a part of my life again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a little bit unclear as to when that sin will present itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think it's right now and I don't think it's anytime very soon. Um, but I think, um, I think it will be there. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. I'm going to leave you with Lindsay reading aloud one of her poems from her soon to be published book of poetry. Uh, this is called, uh, Westworld's on before you kiss me. You say repentance when I ask what you'd name a horse, like it's the first joke ever told in the world. I mumble, I want to be a cowboy's sweetheart, only because I can't think of anything more useful to say. Only because I know if you kiss me, we get to be brief folk ballad invention, despite the lie of the C-grade Western. The kind of stuff we'd hope for in the open, if we could figure out how to be truthful about ourselves. You do, and we are a daughter of pioneers, a son of the Golden West. You watch me gather rope. We are cutting sun in the middle of the night. I ask you how you got your nickname. You say, by doing something stupid with a stick of dynamite. You ask me what it's like to have to stagger to my feet minute after minute. I say heaven. We are blessing the prairie fire, panning for relics. We are lost. I hate you. When you remind me that the buffalo are gone, there is no frontier. My costume is cheap. No matter. Next second, I remember why I do this to myself. Like drinking water from a cactus. Like waking to ride another day. It saves my life.